Hi everyone and welcome to another Giant Sisters podcast with Joe Brothers. Today I'm really excited to talk to Rachel Tolile. Rachel is CEO of Kornor, a vertically integrated, family-owned Maori food and vet beverage provider, an artisan producer and exporter of award-winning wine, cider, seafood, fruit and natural bars. She's a former U.S. Trade Commissioner and a founder of Yellow Brick Road, a limited company that specialises in supplying quality seafood direct into restaurants throughout New Zealand. Rachel is a board trustee of the Sir Peter Blake Trust, Young Enterprise Trust and the Wellington Regional Stadium Trust. She is a director of iwi-owned fishing company Moana New Zealand, New Zealand wine growers and aquaculture New Zealand. Rachel is a fierce advocate of New Zealand's primary industry and has spent 20 years propagating messages of Aotearoa being a world-class producer of food and beverages. Her current role as CEO of Maui Food and Beverage Provider, Cornell New Zealand LP. Welcome, Rachel. Morena, Joe. Um, I thought today that I'd really love to talk more about your whole journey in your life. You've done some incredible things. And if we're looking at the power of intention, how did you design your life and career path or, or did it just evolve? Perhaps a little bit of both, actually. But, I, I mean, I would say that I, I've gone about my career um, first and foremost ambitiously, I yes. would say. So um, ambitiously, but not entirely stepped out. So it's more organic than I would say that has been planned down to the nth degree. So when I was at university, I, um, or at least before I started university, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. So right. I, I I got along to Victoria University and I and I lined up and I was almost at the front of the pre-med law line and then I realised that if I did one more minute of chemistry I would just not make it and um, <laughs> and I'm actually not a very I'm not a very good nurse right. <laughs> um, when I'm at home I'm not sure if I have that gene so yeah. I decided actually I'd stuff all left into the law line because I do really love good argument um. so um <laughs> so no that's so I thought actually law would be um, for a number of reasons perhaps more my more my thing so I shuffled left into the law line and uh it completed a law degree at Vic which I loved yes uh but then actually I went on from there I didn't become a lawyer as it turns out I went on and I joined New Zealand Trade and Enterprise yes and did some time essentially as a trade consultant that would have been interesting uh, wow that was amazing I loved it it was um I just spent an entire um, degree an entire period of my life understanding how to litigate your way out of a grievance essentially and yeah. then when you go to the trade world you are exposed to um, how one might trade their way into a better space it's a very different yeah. um, it's a very different feeling very different sentiment and had um, an amazing degree of positivity that went with it which is not to say that the law doesn't but for me I really um, hooked into trade in a way that I hadn't um, necessarily yes. with the law but but um, and, and ran away with it. From, so from there, I went on and created my own company, which I guess makes you an entrepreneur, and then into this role as CEO. So um, it's, you know, they, you've heard it described as the wiggly line, and that yeah. probably defines the wiggly line. Oh, fantastic. And you must have had some unique experiences along the way that have led to your career. Can you sort of share with us some of the unique experiences that you've had? Because you've had such a wild, incredibly interesting history. So it's... Um, you know, it's. I guess my first and foremost, the one thing that did influence me into the space would probably be my my dad. He's a um, he's a, he is the, you know the quintessential serial entrepreneur. He's always had his own businesses with my mother. I should yes, add, but yes. He's a, he's a um, <clears throat> 
uh, he gets at the front a little more than mum. But so dad has always had his own businesses. And, and when I was at university, he was involved with Trade Enterprise and he had a number of events that I essentially gate crashed. So I gate crashed <laughs> so many events with Trade Enterprise that he was uh, involved with. Eventually, somebody there said to me, like, you're here a lot. Did you maybe just want a job? Wow. <laughs> which I, um, which I, you know, I jumped on because yes. I um, didn't have a job to go into. So I guess being around my parents and their own businesses over the course of time and then being scooped up into trade and enterprise uh, right before I left university was um, a, un- a unique experience, but I guess one of those moments in time, which was, which was fantastic. And, you know, within NZT at a year one with um, new exporters, that was really grounding for me. I'd gone from thinking I was pretty neat with my law degree yeah. into a space where I essentially knew nothing. Right. And so that um, puts you you know, back at ground zero. Yes. Uh, time in the States, then GT, that was just mind-blowing. When I went over to the States, it was the, California was the fourth largest economy in the world, which yeah. was uh, fairly mind-blowing. And then came back and set up Yellow Brick Road, which was scary and exhilarating in equal parts, yes. having your own business. I don't know that I'm necessarily um, built as a risk-taker, but it certainly pushed my boundaries in that respect. Mm. And uh, and then that's, and that's led on to where I am now, which, you know, I think all of those experiences give you perspective uh, that you might not have had otherwise so really fantastic I think one one of the experiences that does really stand out for me as well as I went on a trip a few years ago with the Sir Peter Blake Trust to the Auckland Islands yes and I think on that visit I really uh, realized the insignificant of insignificance of person for a start yes um, but but also the profound effect that we can have on the world and so um, and and I, I think also the, the precious nature of this country mm. and its surrounds, but the, the fact that it is so inextricably linked to the rest of the world. So it was a, it was definitely a moment that I had it um, down on the Auckland Islands yeah. uh, with the truck. And and in terms of embracing lessons, what challenges have you experienced that have shaped you as a person the most? Uh, I think that when I set up Yellowbrook Road, I was a young Māori woman with her own business in the fishing industry. Wow. And if that does not make you a unicorn, nothing will. <laughs> you know, you, all of a sudden one thing is not like the other at all. And so that's a challenge. But I think like a lot of times you are challenged in your life. You, I mean, you just shouldn't be afraid to be that unicorn. Yes. I think that there's a, there's a couple of ways that you can approach those situations. And one is to be fearful of them. And, and there is a trepidation in that. But equally, there's this moment that you have that doesn't come along very often when you can say to yourself, now's my moment. Yes. You cannot, you cannot escape being noticed in those moments. And so you can um, hide from them. Or you can grab them with both hands and you know use them for every everything that you everything that you can really just mm. to squeeze every ounce of occasion from it, which is uh, I suppose the the, the tact I took yeah. as a as a um, you know it, that's just probably my upbringing in terms of just um, going for it, going for it. Yeah, thank you. And can you tell us a bit more about Cornwall and the gifts of the land and the sea? I love how that is written and how it sounds. Thank you. Equinor is a Māori food and beverage company. We're a family business. We are owned by Wakatu Corporation here in Tetoihu at the top of the South Island. And we're a food and beverage business involved in a number of areas, um, yeah. simply because Equinor itself means food basket. It's a it's a woven flax basket to yeah. which we replace um, our, our best food products for our most esteemed guests. And so yeah. we capitalise on the land and the water legacy that has been left to us by um 
the people who arrived here in the early 1800s. Our, our ancestors, our tupuna, my great-great-grandfather was one of those people. Wow. And and from, from that land and water uh, legacy, we are involved now with growing apples and pears and kiwifruit and hops, mm-hmm. uh, with um, crayfish and growing green shell mussels, with uh, wines. So we have tohu wines as ours, and we also make a cider. Right. And Annie's fruit bars as part of our portfolio. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when I came on board, they also bought Yellow Brick Road, which, uh, which was a business that I'd set up previously in the fishing space. So a real raft of different activities, yes. um, which make for a lot of fun, I will say. Oh, wow. Um, and some beautiful products. I've, I've had a look and I've sampled many of them too. Um, in terms of sheroes and heroes and people that you look up to that have inspired you, who, who would you say they are for you? Sure. Um, and I love the way you say that, sheroes and heroes. <laughs> so, um, I mean, this, without being cliche, but definitely my parents would be at the, the top of that list. They yes. are the people who instilled in me um, the confidence that essentially I could do anything yes. and and in that um, I guess the that encouragement to say yes and I'm a really big proponent of um, people young women in particular saying yes to occasions because that's how you find yourself in interesting situations and mm. it's how you it's how you then in a, in a circular way build that confidence to say yes and go again so the parent my parents must most certainly feature there mm. my husband he is an incredibly strong, uh, proud Samoan man, but he is my, and, or I didn't say but, but I should say and, he is my um, truth teller. So yes. he he is, you know, because I have a lot of movement in my role, so, and it took me a long time to say the words primary caregiver, but he is that for our daughter and for us, and he, he really keeps my, my feet on the ground, but my head in the clouds, if that makes sense. Oh, so, wonderful. That's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I've had a really, I've been lucky in my life to have a, um, a really amazing champion in Fran Wilde. She's been pretty uh, important to me right. in my own career. And I love the idea of people being champions as against necessarily sponsors or mentors. So champions, for me, um, see something inside of you and give you that little nudge. Sometimes it's not little, sometimes it's big. Yeah. <laughs> give you that nudge in almost a sink and swim scenario. And I don't think we do that enough. I don't think we really trust ourselves necessarily mm. enough sometimes or the people that we are um, championing or sponsoring to say, you can do it and just go. What What is the worst that can happen? So she's been really um, important in my life. And I think the last person would be Karenza Johnson, who's the CEO of Wakatu. She, for me, is somebody who has... And it's exceedingly intelligent. She has more empathy than anyone that I have um, ever been around and worked with. And we went to university together, and now we're here. She running Wakatu and me Cornwall, so it's it's pretty fantastic. But she has that empathy, but a steely determination to do what is right for her people, and that's a pretty rare quality. Yes, that's that's great. Giving back. Do you and um, with all your organisations you're involved with? Do you do a lot with um, community and giving back to individuals? Uh, I try to. I have a rule for myself that if any young person ever calls me for advice, and that happens reasonably often out of the blue where people ring and say, I'm at university or I'm new in my job and I'm just not not really sure where that might go, I will never say no. Because what, you know, what sort of, um, you know, they're really outside of their comfort zone. They've Mm. made themselves uncomfortable enough to pick up the phone and ask for help. And how busy does one person ever have to be to to say no to that? I Mm. think that we're we're a country of the 
magnitude or actually lack thereof that we should be able to do that that is not beyond anyone's capacity to say yes I will talk to you yes I will help you so um, consequently I end up um, doing a degree of mentoring with young people that's why I sit on the Young Enterprise awesome. Trust it's why I've committed to the Peter Blake Trust yes. and then beyond that uh, I'm also part of the Olympic mentoring scheme so oh, you know yeah. I, I do think that we need to find these times to to, to pay it forward if you will and I am a big believer in servant leadership and mm. that is something I try to propagate with my team because mm. um, I think it's as I say I think it's important for us as people I agree have you got anything new or exciting or any new innovations that are coming up um, through this year that you could share with us yeah well for me personally I'm going to Stanford for six weeks oh, on, a, on, a, on a leadership course in uh, June and July in the beginning of August so I cannot wait for that so that's going to be really exciting and I think that'll obviously come back and pay dividends back here at Cornwall because you know our aim of the game here at Cornwall is to be the best indigenous food and beverage company in the world and yes. and, and that's, that, that's a pretty lofty goal but one that I think is entirely possible so um, I'll trip away and do those six weeks to try and bring it bring it back into the fold here and keep everyone as enthused and as energetic <laughs> as they are now. I mean, yeah. this team moves at a pretty frenetic pace. And so sometimes they have to keep up and sometimes at the front of the pack, you know, it depends on what's happening in any given day. Yeah, wonderful. And as we reflect on um, New Zealand's 125th year of suffrage anniversary, what are your thoughts on the current status quo here in New Zealand and around the world for opportunities for women and girls? I think that opportunities are boundless. I think that, as you will have, everyone will have heard and seen in social media of late, um, you know, things that have happened for a long time without discussion and are coming to the fore. Yes. And I think that um, it's not that women haven't had voices previously, but that there are now new mediums and there's a collective strength in expressing those messages and those voices together that will result in change. So I think that's um, mm. outstanding. I think that, um, you know, I think it's a matter for women in leadership positions to remain visible. I certainly take that as one of my responsibilities um, in the role that I'm in is to, to do a couple of things. One is to remain accessible and visible because our young people cannot, and our young women in particular, I think are, are more challenged if they cannot identify themselves in the places they want to go. Absolutely agree. Yeah. So I think you have to you have to remain visible to them, and sometimes it's tough. Sometimes you don't want to, but frankly, that's not an option if you really are serious about creating new pathways for young people, young women. Mm. Um, you know, I think in, in doing that as well, and Karenza and I discuss this a lot. It's about creating a new style of workplace, a new style of work. Yes. Which we can, women are blessed with <laughs> being able to have children, but that shouldn't impede or impact or detriment themselves. At, detriment them in any way in their workspace and so how do we create new norms in our workspace mm. that allow for that to happen mm. so there's lots of lots of opportunities for women in leadership to create that change yes and I think enough incremental changes make a movement and so that's really really exciting and I guess fundamentally um what I say to our team and what I wish for our team is that uh, all of us, men and women, is that we all stay humble but hustle hard. That's lovely so, yep I love it. Well, I think that one of the main reasons I started Giant Sisters is something that you've hit on today, and that's remaining visible. And just talking to all of you phenomenal women and um, 
recording your stories and your thoughts will be an inspiration to um, the young women and girls today that are looking to see a future for themselves and, and maybe different types of roles that have been portrayed to them in the media and in the past. So I really thank you for your time today, Rachel. Thank you so much. A pleasure, Joe. Nice talking to you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you.